Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends with Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. Us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, friends and Wags of SCI family. Welcome back to another episode of the Wags of SEI podcast with your hosts, Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. So we're heading into spring now and I'm feeling, I don't know about you, Brooke, but I'm feeling a pretty positive shift in our community. As of lately, we've had some really, really great conversations about mental health, balancing work and family and, and, um, I guess, SCI life, but we're also coming to a really positive spin on how to deal with like daily SCI surprises, which is what I guess this week's podcast will be on. But before we head over to that, I'm going to hand it over to Brooke. First of all, huge shout out to our sponsors. We always like to thank our sponsors, but we really want to encourage all of you to go and check them out if you want to support people that are doing amazing things for the spinal cord injury community and the WAGS community. So our first sponsor is, of course, the famous Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Robin and her team have been helping us behind the scenes for three years now with our own cases. And she's the reason why um, a lot of our advocacy on paid spousal caregiving is actually getting somewhere. So please go to brainandspinelaw.com and you can learn more about Robin and what she can do to help you because she is the official WAGS of SCI advocate. She also specializes in brain and spinal cord injury cases. So yeah, you can visit brainandspinelaw.com or you can visit wagsofsci.com and click on the legal resources tab if you want to learn more about our partnership. Our next sponsor is Annalisa and John Squires. They are the founders of Rolling in Paradise. Rollingparadise.com has everything you need as far as adapted equipment. So they specialize in leisure equipment like hand cycles and uh, motorized um, cycles, but they also do things like accessories and wheelchairs and they are VA approved. And the best part about John and Annalisa is John is a quadriplegic of 35 years and Annalisa and him have been married for over 20. So they know what the SCI life is like and their slogan is, we are you, they are, right? So we all know how frustrated we can get with wheelchair vendors that don't really understand this life. If you talk to John and Annalisa, they will answer all your questions and they ship nationwide. So please visit rollinginparadise.com and tell them that the Wags of SCI sent you. So today's podcast, we had to talk about something that very strangely has happened to both Elena and I in the past couple of weeks. Both our partners, both our partners had to go on somewhat of a bed rest expedition. 
And we thought to ourselves, we have to podcast about this because we like to bring our personal life into these podcasts. We think it's really important um, to talk about like the real things that are happening behind the scenes in our own lives, um, just because it brings so much more commonality and community together if we actually talk about the real stuff. So our partners both had to go through, for different reasons, uh, bed rest. And of course, you know, I'm in Italy, Elena is back in Vancouver. So it was very interesting, the timing of all of this. And we wanted to talk about the very, very common thing when you are in a relationship with a quadriplegic, and that is bed rest. It's more common than you think. We talk about it all the time in the private group, but people don't really talk about bed rest on social media. They don't really talk about it in the open because I guess they're embarrassed. I'm not sure. We can talk about that later. But the point is, is I think we need to talk about this on the podcast and on this platform, because when your partner is going through bed rest in order to, you know, relieve skin pressure, or they just had surgery or for whatever reason it is, um, it, we are impacted as quad wives and quad girlfriends and partners to them. And we wanted to talk about how to navigate that and what it's like and share our personal stories of the past couple of weeks and just share some awareness as to why this happens. And, you know, if you're a friend or a family member of someone who's a quadriplegic, it'll give you more of an understanding as to our life and what actually happens. Because behind closed doors, our life is very, very different than when we show up at the family barbecues. Right, Elena? <laughs> yes, 100%. And I think um, even within our community, I feel like a lot of our partners... <clears throat> will try to really push their limits, even when it is very apparent that they do need to have some rest, right? And when you try to share it with friends and family, oh, my partner's having um, some days in bed and rest. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, are they dying? Is everything okay? Um, so I think you're right. When you sort of see bed rest in movies or read about them <laughs> in novels or on social media, it, it's almost like our society has, has trained us to believe that bed rest means severe illness and death, right? It's like if somebody is resting, that means, oh my God, they're not coming back out of their bedroom. So it was actually a very interesting situation because neither Brooke nor I had spoken to each other for a few days. And, um, <laughs> and finally, we both piped up. So what's new with you? What's going on in Vancouver? What's going on in Italy? And <laughs> one of us said, I don't know if it was you or I, but one of us said, oh my gosh, it's been crazy over here. Um, Dan or Evan has had to have some, a few days in bed. And then the other one said, oh my God, us too. So funny because I don't think that this has ever happened to us actually since the beginning of our friendship or beginning the wags of SCI or even injuries. I think this is the first time that coincidentally, both of our partners had to take a big time out and, um, our bodies will, will let us know when we're not listening to them and they will make you basically, they'll become so uncomfortable that you have no other option except for really shut her down for, for the period of time that you need to heal. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I think whoever, if, if there's somebody listening right now who just wants a little bit of a background, like say you're a partner to a paraplegic who doesn't have to have much bed rest, um, or you're a friend and family member, just to kind of let you guys know what the point of this is. So when you're a quadriplegic, a lot of people think, you know, you just put them in their wheelchairs and they're fine. So 
that is totally not the case. So the thing with quadriplegics is they can't move themselves as easily. They don't have function, full function in their arms. A lot of pe- a lot of quadriplegics don't even have function in their arms. And so they can't move themselves onto different surfaces, you know, like some paraplegics. Um, they can't they can't just transfer anywhere. And so they're in their wheelchair a lot. And the thing with being in a wheelchair is, yes, it is, it's great. It's your mode of transportation. You know, the cushions are amazing. But sometimes you have an accident with your skin or you haven't been doing pressure relief or you're sick and you have to go into bed. And so the thing about quadriplegics and their beds is most quadriplegics have a, either a medical bed or some sort of mattress that is great for pressure relief on their skin. And so it's kind of like a safe space for them to go when they need to heal or when they need to rest up, like you were talking about earlier, Elena. Um, and it gives them respite from their wheelchair. So it, it's just, it's another area they can sit or lay where it takes the pressure off, right? Like, I mean, my partner can't just transfer onto any old sofa or bench, right? It's a huge process. And then you have to do pressure relief all the time because you don't know if the, if the, uh, if the couch or the chair is soft enough. And it's just, some, it's not something that many of them do. So the bed is just a really good option to move into when you need some healing or to rest. And, you know, like you were talking about pushing your body really hard, a lot of these quads, they don't have the stamina or the energy to push themselves super hard every day, especially when they're feeling under the weather or they haven't had a lot of sleep. And so bed is a really good option. And so we call it bed rest because, you know, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's it's a place where they find a lot of comfort, right? So Elena, why don't you tell your story as to why Dan had to take a few days off and uh, do his little bed rest stint? Well, um, I think, to be quite honest, it sort of took us by surprise. And um, my partner, Dan, for anybody who's new listening to this um, podcast or isn't quite familiar with our story, Dan is a C5-6 um, level quadriplegic. So upper cervical level or sorry, lower cervical level, um, quadriplegic. He has a lot of function in terms of arm ability, um, trunk. He can balance himself on his own. He doesn't need an ab binder. He's able to take himself to university, um, with the help of his Baytech which for anybody listening, you can get that covered under your mobility device sort of section of insurance. Um, Anyways, so Dan has been in school for a few years now. He's got one more year to go. And so as anybody who has taken on education and has gone through university, you know how extremely grueling and demanding coursework can be when you're you know, writing papers, doing research, showing up to do presentations, uh, studying for exams, and then the commute of everything itself can be quite taxing. And then on somebody who's got um, a spinal cord injury, you're, I, I would say that the biggest thing that I've noticed is that it's, you, you don't really have a lot of time to take a breather because there are deadlines there are demands that you're going to have to meet to be able to pass. So Dan has been taking himself to university. It's outside of our city and it's been a lot of go, go, go. And I think with that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stress because it's, it's a very high stress undertaking to go to school. 
And anyways, so he had been so go, go, go on top of, you know, taking Watson for a walk. Watson is our, our large dog poodle Australian shepherd who's high energy. So he takes him for walks. He tries to do as much cooking as possible. He tries to contribute as much as he can to the household when it comes to chores. Um, and it's just been a lot. And I think finally his body was like, no, you need to, you need to take a breather. You need to rest instead of consistently getting up. He's got a very rigid routine of getting up at 7 a.m., doing his leg bike, sometimes his arm bike, sometimes standing frame, breakfast, studying, going and then shooting out the door. And then he won't be back until usually in the evening time. So again, I feel the connection between emotional health and physical health is extremely strong in general for anybody who does not have a physical disability, but especially for somebody who is in a wheelchair. It's also very connected that I do believe stress has played a, a tremendous role in some of his healing or lack thereof and being able to continue performing the daily tasks that he needs to perform in order to live quote unquote, his best life. And, um, I know that there's a, there are options for accessibility services at any university where you can have, you can go in and seek, um, the advice of individuals there, the advice of the accessibility services to be able to get extended periods of time for assignments that are due or any other kind of accommodations that need to be made for you. But even with that, it is extremely grueling. And I think sometimes we forget, especially somebody who's a physicalist, who's very go, 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 that sometimes we forget that we got to like really take a break and slow down a little bit. And so from what I've seen, Dan had, um, he had he had quite a bit of pain in his body. The spasms were really quite intense. He ended up in the ER um, emergency room about what a month and a half ago for some pain in his body that they were unable to determine. They were unable to rule out what the pains were after doing all sorts of tests. Um, there was no conclusion, so it was inconclusive. He was sent home. Um, and that was it. So then he carried on with his time and his day and continued going to school and continued doing everything he does every single day. And then other things kept on popping up, more spasms. Then he had issues with his cushion. Then he was unable to get into his cushion or sorry, he was unable to get into his wheelchair with the cushions. And we have about three different cushions at our house right now that we've had just to have the variability of pressure release, um, in different areas. So he was feeling a lot of pain in the sacral area. So we tried every cushion. We tried getting into bed, relieving the pressure that way. And of course it was Easter long weekend. <laughs> and that's the way it goes, right? Anytime that there needs to be um, a mobility or our home health equipment changeover, it's always a long weekend and you're not able to get the help that you need right away. Always. I, I swear, <laughs> I swear this is just like, <laughs> this is just the way it is. So it doesn't matter how many phone calls or emails 
you send out, nobody can help you. And it's a, it's quite a process. So for somebody who's living their life in a wheelchair, which, which is your legs, that is your mobility. If you're unable to get any response or an appointment for a week, then you're kind of SOL. You are stuck. You're completely stuck. And it can be extremely frustrating because that means your life is put on hold. So what if you have a career you need to show up for, or you have assignments due, or you have presentations coming up and the rest of the rest of your group at school is waiting to present, but you're out of commission, then it affects the lives of other people, but also it affects your life tremendously. And it's extremely unreliable and unpredictable. So he did, he spent, I would say about two weeks in bed, which is of course difficult because as I'm coming in and out the the door, I have to plan my schedule around, okay, does Dan have everything he needs in his bed? Does he have everything set up? Does he have urinals? Does he have catheters? Does he have water? What if the bed remote drops off the bed? Is he able to get that? Does he have a snack? Does he have the TV remote? What if that falls off the bed? Is the, you know, does he have chargers for his computer, for his devices? Um, it's, it's everything. It's really, really everything. And these thoughts sort of spin through my head as I go off for the day and I do other things. And I am consistently having to, I feel balanced that saying, no, he's going to be okay. No, everything's going to be fine. Except for then it isn't fine. Right. And then you come home to a situation where it was like, oh, I was trying to call you or I, or you missed my phone call and this happened or that happened. So I think the biggest thing is being able to balance these thoughts and being okay with the unknown as somebody who's a partner of Dan, me, (laughs) as somebody who's living their life with a quadriplegic who has had to spend, I would say, two weeks in bed. And of course, the things that he's typically able to contribute to in the household, he's unable to. So then everything sort of falls on me. And that can be extremely, extremely difficult to balance. So anyways, it's just been a whole other learning curve. Um, Being able to recognize that we only have 24 hours in a day. And how can you still either offload tasks on anybody that you can ask, friends or family um, that you trust? How can you offload some tasks so you're not feeling like you're drowning on top of listening to your partner who's in pain all day long um, can be extremely unsettling and uncomfortable because, you know, you love this person. You don't want to hear them suffer. It's, It's not a nice feeling. For them, um, it's a nice feeling for you. So you consist, I feel like, especially the roles that we take on in this community as being the partners of individuals with spinal cord injuries or any kind of disease really, or, or ailment or any sort of serious um, disability is that being able to sort of take a step back and not try to be the one that's fixing everything, not, not taking responsibility for saying, oh my gosh, how do I fix this for them? Oh, okay, I, I wasn't able to you know, take away their pain or their suffering or their discomfort. And then you can kind of spin out of, at least for myself, I feel like I I spin around that sometimes I'm like, okay, this is not my responsibility. I can't control. I cannot manage this. Um, so that's been a whole other, that's been a whole other, you know, like learning curve and, and being able to take a step back and just say, okay, I need to like take care of my own needs right now. 
instead of trying to fix everything all the time. So that is what has happened for us. It has been very interesting. It's been really difficult. There are definitely extremely difficult moments through watching your loved ones suffer. Um, and just really, truly realizing that there's nobody who can help. I think that's the big, big takeaway here is that nobody can really help. So he finally got an appointment at GF Strong, which is the rehab center here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to basically go through other cushions, um, try other things. And I mean, even, even then, it's like you have an hour appointment, you go try a few other cushions, then you leave. What if in about an hour that maybe that cushion, maybe you leave with the right cushion, quote unquote, the right cushion for that time period. And then as you sit in that cushion throughout the day, your body shifts, the weight shifts, and then you're uncomfortable again. So then you're waiting another week or two to get another appointment to once again, it's a very trial and error. It's very, very finicky. And I find myself from my point of view, realizing quite daily, I would say daily, I have these thoughts of SEI is such a mystery. There are no answers. There really are no answers. It doesn't matter if you go to the rehab center for advice, or if you go to emergency for advice, nobody really knows what is actually happening with a spinal cord and why you have all this discomfort, which I can feel can be extremely taxing. It can be extremely discouraging. It can be really tough because I think we're also when you sustain such a traumatic injury, like an SCI, you sort of become, or at least you think you become dependent on the medical system and the doctors and the professionals. But when the doctors and the professionals say, I really don't know, that's when shit kind of hits the fan. Yep. It's like, it's hard not to like, feel really bleak about all of that. Right. Um, but I'm a firm believer in like, you have to get to the place where they literally send you home, like Dan, like where they say, we don't know what's wrong with you before you can explore other avenues of health um, that aren't Western, right? That are more ancient healings, Chinese medicine, naturop- naturopathy, um, all that kind of stuff. It's it's kind of like, I feel like every single one of the people that have found different ways of healing have been told, we don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Right. Right. And for a lot of people, that's like the last resort. So, I mean, yeah, dad and I have very different beliefs about um, health in terms of the intervention that each one of us will accept from whom Dan Dan's Western model is that because spinal cord injury, we were really extremely reliant on the Western healthcare model, the medical system. Because I mean, you're having, you just broke your neck. You need somebody to, to put some hardware back together and back into your neck and put your bones together for that. We are extremely grateful. How could we not be? Um, but I have noticed the shift over the last few years of we've sort of eliminated, I would say we've eliminated 90% of the chemicals that enter our house, whether it be through cleaning products, through, uh, beauty products, through uh, supplements, through food, through you name it, anyways, water, all of it, all of it, because he has a neurological condition. I mean, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't really even know what to say besides the fact that if we could control what we put into our bodies as much as possible, why wouldn't we? 
And I know a lot of people roll their eyes at this. Oh, you're eating organic. Oh my God. Oh, organic. And like, sometimes I do hear that, but then I sort of think, why would I want to take the risk of putting more chemicals into our bodies when, when the directions from rehab was go home when you're leaving rehab with a full list of prescription pills and a whole list of side effects to each one of those pills. And then it's like, wait a minute, what are the risks here? How come we don't ever talk about the risks? How, how can we don't ever talk about the side effects? We wait until we're drowning in side effects before we start questioning it. And then we realize, okay, this isn't working. There has to be another, there has to be another option. So for us, I feel like this time around was, was sort of Dan's final straw where he said, you know what, I need to start maybe exploring other, maybe TCM, maybe some acupuncture, maybe some other forms of medicine that can help me because this isn't working. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Well, and I guess, you know, eventually you have to like, yes, it's frustrating at the time, but everybody has their point of when they hit rock bottom, when they start to question what's happening. Everybody has that and you can't teach it. You cannot shove it down somebody's throat. You have to be able to come to your own conclusion, to your own realization of this on your own time through your own, I want to say eagerness to research, to explore, to read, to find out. So that's where we're at. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. That's like, it's, it's important to like, always think of the silver linings and look at everything with, okay, what is the positive take on this? Um, I have very similar experiences to you. Um, as far as, you know, I think it's really important to discuss the whole, like we want to help our partners and it is so, so hard to watch the suffering happen. But like you said, there's absolutely nothing we can do except make them comfortable, um, and work on ourselves. Right. Like we always talk about it. Like it's, this is, these are the types of situations that make the warriors that craft the warriors that make us into, the strong caregivers and the strong women that we are meant to become is moments where you have absolutely no choice, but to be there while your partner suffers and there's nothing you can do. And then monitor yourself and say, okay, how, how am I feeling? How am I taking this on? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to learn from all of this? And it will make you a stronger person. But I definitely found that over the past couple of weeks. And you said two weeks, I think it's been almost two weeks for Evan. Um, what happened was we first got to Italy and anyone who's traveled with a quadriplegic knows, even if you listen to the podcast where I talked about our first couple of weeks in Italy, it's extremely hard here, you know, transferring onto new services, you're getting thrown around in the airplane seats. I mean, the first week we got here, he had so many bruises on his hips from just people trying to lift him into airplane seats and slamming him around and his skin wasn't the best and, but that was healing. And so what happened to to my husband is we have a station wagon car that we rented here in Italy. And we usually have a van that, that takes him around that he can drive his power chair into a Toyota Sienna. But here they don't have anything like that unless you want to pay 10 grand a month to rent something like that. And that just wasn't an option. So we got kind of like a, he's here in his manual chair. So we got one that was about 27 inches from the ground. That was a flat um, transfer and we're using a sliding board. And what happened was the sliding board that we brought was a bit too short for the layout of the car. 
it just, for whatever reason, it wasn't the exact same car we had last time we were here where the sliding board worked. But this car was just a little bit longer, a little bit more, the seats were a little bit deeper um, and farther away from where his wheelchair was, no matter what angle we put it on for his transfer. And so the sliding board ended up kind of rubbing on his side guard. And there was a little bit of metal exposed and a little bit of plastic that was sharp. And we didn't really realize that at first, obviously. We were kind of rushing around and we had done a few transfers already and it was totally fine. We just didn't really see it. And so what ended up happening is, and this was through his clothes and his clothes didn't get ripped. It's wild. The skin integrity is just, ugh, it just makes you realize how important skin is with this injury. Um, so what happened was we were transferring and I don't actually know when it happened, but it happened um, within the first week we were here where his skin actually on the like end of his bum, almost on his thigh, um, like kind of where his balls are <laughs> like a little bit farther out. He got, he nicked himself um, through his pants on the portion of his side guard that was exposed. And it actually took a chunk of skin out. And so the first few weeks we were here, we kind of just um, lived with it. Like I would wash it and it was, it wasn't bleeding. It was just skin that had been taken off and it didn't seem like an issue. Um, but then after a couple of weeks of being here, it wasn't healing. And we were kind of like, okay, well, it's, it hasn't healed at all. Like we, he needs to get some of the weight off. His weight shifts clearly aren't enough. So he decided after much consideration that he was going to do some bed rest. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to lay on my side for a few days and really heal the crap out of it. And so I think basically what I want to talk about as to my portion is I want people to understand how much attentiveness is needed for someone that doesn't have his normal medical bed. We have just a normal bed here. So he's needed to be turned every couple hours, you know, more than that, um, because then he starts spasming. If he, he has quite a bit of sensation, so he'll start spasming, you know, within half an hour and you have to move him around, you have to move his legs. And so for someone like me, that takes a lot of attentiveness. And, you know, you were speaking about how, you know, you have to leave him with more stuff. And I think people need to understand how much, even when you're not independent, my partner is not independent, but when someone is in bed rest, you realize how independent they were. You realize how much they actually could sit on their own and you didn't have to be moving them around every half an hour or hour and how much that takes out of you. Right. Just that process yeah. of being more attentive. Right. Yeah. It's stressful. Yeah. It's, it's super a, it's stressful. A, it is because you're taking out like what, what I was saying earlier about taking on the responsibility of the well-being of another individual. It's, it's a lot of, it's not even like, it's not just the emotional, but it, it's not just the physical. It's everything all together all at once. Yeah. And for me, it was really, it was because like, I know we, we talk about this a lot about how most of us were groomed as children, that we were responsible for caretaking the emotions of our parents or our grandparents, a lot of us anyways, huge majority of us. And what that brings is that you, like you were saying earlier, you feel responsible for their emotional state. 
And to have to go through this in real time where your body and your conditioning is telling you, but I'm responsible, but I'm responsible. And then to kind of tear that apart and say, no, you're not responsible. You are only responsible for helping them with their physical stuff. You're only responsible for moving them around and helping them when they can't. They are responsible for what they're going through. Does that make it easier to witness someone suffering, especially the first three days? It was so hard for him. I mean, and this is a guy that doesn't have any sort of painkillers or anything like that. He doesn't have any antispasmatics. He doesn't have, you know, his weed. He doesn't even have his cannabis here because it's... I was going to ask. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to ask about that because that is something that he has used, right? The whole plant medicine. And how many times a day was he using that here in Canada? Right. And like people have to remember that here in Italy, it is completely not a thing. It is completely illegal. Nobody sells it. There aren't drug dealers around. It's not a thing at all. <laughs> so it's very so different. Right? Like to, where he- you can't even go to jail for getting it from some some guy on the corner somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like it's it's not a thing. Um, so it's, it was just very interesting having him navigate that from that position where he had absolutely nothing to rely on. And it was very hard for him. But after a day, I was like, okay, like, and you know me where I'm kind of like, I really think there's a purpose and a reason this is happening. You have to move through that discomfort of not being able to move and how that feels and how helpless you feel. And then navigating that as a couple is a whole other podcast, like (laughs) navigating the stresses that come to the person who's on bed rest and the person who's helping and taking things out on other people. And, um, but there was a flip side to it. I feel like once I started realizing, okay, this is something that I'm going to have to navigate. It's okay for him to be suffering. It's okay for him to have to work through his own stuff. Um, once I started really getting into the swing of things where every half an hour I would help him, I got a lot of work done. I got a lot of reading done. I was able to sit beside him. We were able to watch some really good shows that we'd been watching. Um, I was able to go on walks with the dog and just really um, kind of zone out and just make most the most of the time that I had on my own. Um, so it ended up being like kind of a, a, real, a real beneficial experience for, for both of us, I think. Although he's still not perfect. Like it's still, it was very interesting how this happened because the first week that it happened, I'm a huge believer in when you're under stress, you can't heal. You can't heal how you're supposed to. And he was under stress. We were in a new city. You know, we had, we're in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. We had huge travel stress. And then we are, you know, you're in a, in a, in a, apartment that you don't have the comforts that you had at home. You don't have the overhead lift. You don't have the medical bed. You don't have the proper commode, right? It's like everything is foreign and you're adjusting to a new life. And so, yes, of course the body is under stress, but that's kind of my theory as to why it just didn't heal. And it still is having such an issue healing is because the area that it's on, and this is very common for lots of men who have pressure wounds um, or have to get surgery on their lower half is they're under a lot of stress. And that is actually the root chakra, which is according to many, many disciplines, yoga included, Chinese medicine, energy medicine, the root chakra is the area of survival. And when you're in stress, that is when your survival chakra is activated. And 
it's not necessarily a good thing because the energy is blocked, right? And so I just thought it was interesting that it he was in basically in survival mode and stress and that injury happened. I don't know. Um, that, I just, that I is interesting. I mean, it makes yeah. sense, right? And also like the blood flow to like the lower yes. half of you, like you were saying, the energy yes. is blocked. The blood flow is not able to yeah. disperse properly because there's no, no movement really. I mean, yeah. And you're sitting on it, right? Hmm. Yeah. So his next, you know, he's not going to be like this the whole time. He's, he's moved into his chair. Now we're just using proper bandages and um, we're using like a blister bandage and um, the skin. It just, I mean, we've all, you actually nicked your hand last week on a knife. It's called an avulsion industry or yes, avulsion injury. Yeah, where it's like we've all nicked ourselves and taken a chunk of skin off, even to the point where you can see the muscle and the dermis underneath, right? It takes so freaking long to heal those injuries. <laughs> like, totally. and that's on hands. Totally. That's on hands, right? That's on able bodied hands that can move, that have circulation. So I said to Evan, I was like, you know, I think you're just going to have to accept that we're going to have to deal with this for the next few weeks at least, right? But you can't yeah. stop your life. Um, I think this is the portion where we have to mention that, like, there are a lot of us on the private group right now who, I mean, we see at least one post a week of someone who is on bed rest to heal a pressure wound or a surgery or a flap surgery, right? And I uh, I read a post last week that I was like, oh, it just, it made me feel like, just like, wow, like everybody is going through something, right? There's someone posted about how their partner had flap surgery and he had to be in bed rest for six weeks, <laughs> And he had to stay on his side for six weeks. And she was talking about like, oh, how do I help him? How do I do this? Like, it's going to be a journey, right? And there's so many of us who have had to go through that. And no one talks about it. And no one talks about the partner and what they have to go through personally, physically, emotionally, mentally during this time, because it impacts both of us, right? So um, I'm glad we're talking about this. I'm glad we're sharing our stories so that people feel less alone. But for everybody listening who isn't a member of our private group, um, this is a thing where people talk about they need tips on how to survive um, these bed rest situations that are longer than one day. You know, I, I mean, we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast about how it's important to take some stress off and go and get into bed early and just chill in your bed in your bed. But these are multi-day kind of things where it's like you're super uncomfortable, you have shoulder pain and your partner is just like, just, you know, they're at the end of their rope and they have to kind of like surrender to the process because they know that it's actually helping. Um, but it's nice to to talk about these things. But I just thought it was very interesting how we both kind of went through this at the same time without even really knowing it. Yeah, no kidding. It was, it was very interesting. It was like, so, so what's new? <laughs> well, uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot is new. And it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun. That's for sure. But I like what you said. I really like what you said because we did the same thing for the first couple of days of, okay, you know what? Like it is what it is. Let's hunker down. Um, let's just make like a pillow fort and watch some good movies and drink some tea and just like really mellow out. Um, Watson, uh, Watson's pretty good at that too. Like he'll get a little squirrely after, a couple of days if we don't take him out, which is like not recommended. Um, but 
he's pretty good at that too. He knows he's got his spot on the bed. He usually lies with Dan um, by his legs and sort of like flops over him and he'll bring all his toys on the bed and he'll want to just like be there with us, which I feel like the amount of love and healing you get from having an animal in your life is freaking insane. It's it's so nice right and they just want to love you and they just want to like be with you and they just want to make sure you're doing okay but they definitely can sense when you are not doing okay so oh man freaking tywin used to tywin during this whole time especially during the beginning the first four or five days he would like come in from outside and just like stare at evan and be like is there something going on here what why aren't you getting up (laughs) like he thought it was so weird (laughs) right right It's funny because they know, right? They know your routines. They know who does what in the house and what needs to be done and how. And when things are a little bit off, they can sense everything. So yeah, sweet little pup. But I mean, that's all you can do. You, you know, I was saying this to you earlier. The last few years have been insane. We've been told what to do, what not to do when the pandemic first began Um, We were told that if you don't comply, you will lose this, you will lose that, you won't be able to provide for yourself, you won't be able to eat, you won't be able to afford rent, you won't be able to do all these things. And I feel like the people in this community really know what it's like to have your entire life uprooted. You know, SCI is such a, it's a traumatic, traumatic injury to have it's one of the most expensive injuries you can actually sustain and we know how to adjust it's i'm not saying we're perfect at it i know i'm not perfect at it frustration seeps through i get extremely frustrated um i blame it on my russian rage (laughs) i cried yeah there you go right I mean, what do you do? Like the overwhelm is a real thing. And I think that's something we sometimes we don't talk about this where you just want to rip down the curtains. (laughs) You just want to rip something down, right? You just want to like squeeze that stress ball because if you didn't, that'd be really bizarre. That'd be really weird if you're like, okay, this is great. I'm so happy this is happening. But what do you do? You hunker down. You make the most out of it. If you're able to reschedule your appointments, if you're able to put some things off, just do it. And I think that the biggest part about that, at least for us, is that we feel guilty. We feel bad for having to reschedule, for having to cancel. We feel bad because we're not showing up because something very unexpected happened. But it's like, where does that come from? Our society and and the energy of, of the world and the overall consciousness of the of the planet is not in the same place it was 20 30 years ago even 5 years ago so you got to let that go you have to let that guilt go and be like hey this is like not serving me this is not doing anything positive for my well-being for my mental health and just ride the wave and sometimes that means canceling on everybody and everything just to be able to take care of yourself And I was also going to say, I think, yeah, I think it's really important because there's a lot of us out there that have partners that have to do this from time to time. And I feel like the families and the friends don't understand how much you're involved as well as what your partner is going through. 
they may understand even more what the partner's going through and not you. So I feel like that's send them this episode <laughs> or talk about your experience. Like, you know, we tend to go into wallflower mode. We're just, we're just kind of like, okay, we we're in the background doing everything and nobody really notices what we're doing, but we're doing it because we're sustaining this and, you know, come out of wallflower mode and explain to your family or your friends or the people that you need to kind of cancel on say, you know, this is what I'm going through right now. A lot of people, it's really hard to do that. Um, I know for us and our other friendships, it's hard to do that. It's easy to do it with each other, of course, but like, it's really hard when you're talking to people who don't really understand, they don't live with you on a daily basis. When you're like, okay, my partner's on bed rest. What does this mean? This means I have to be around 24 seven to make sure that he's okay and weight shift him around because of his skin and because of this, you know, talk to them about it. I mean, so many people are interested and they have absolutely no clue what your experience is. Um, and they want to know and they want to help, right? There's, there's so many of us who don't say anything and then wonder why people aren't offering to help. Well, it's because you're not saying anything because they have no clue what you're doing. People are absorbed in their own lives. You know, it's not that they don't care. They're just doing other things. They think they understand, but they don't. I mean, I swear to God, people in my family, not immediate family, but family, some of them still think that I literally just get him dressed and put him in his wheelchair every day. And that's all that's involved, right? People don't know. And this is the reason why we have this podcast. This is the reason why we do what we do is so people can understand and people can be helped and people can show up to actually help you in ways that you never thought you needed, but you actually needed, right? So that I, I would say, besides finding a silver lining and accepting, you know, we're on bed rest, this is how it is, make the most out of it, just like what you said. I think talk about it to your friends and your family is so important and kind of raising, look, this is what I'm going through. This is my issue. This is what's happening. Um, and you'll get people that want to help that want to bring you food, that want to actually clean your house or that want to come and do things like, you know, the good people that is right. The people that actually care and, and you'll, you'll find out who actually cares very soon after you start talking to people about this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. But I think the, you know, sort of circling back to the reason we decided to have this episode today I know we have a lot of chitter chatter back and forth. And the main focus here is to really normalize the ups and downs and very unpredictable days, moments, years you can have with this injury is um, it's okay. It's okay. Like it's okay to take a step back and Nothing in life in general, whether you're able-bodied or not, goes perfectly. There's no such thing, right? Yeah. There's no such thing as perfection. There's no such thing as having perfect days. Everybody is going to face challenges. And this is just, you know, this is just one of those things where if you're able to get yourself out of your headspace and maybe stop looking at social media and seeing what all your friends and family are up to and all the cool trips they're going on while you're in bed rest. That could probably help. But um, in but, general, but they have their, but they have their problems too. Right. And exactly. they think their problems are the worst problems. Exactly. It's, true. it's all perspective. It's all, you know, seeing the world through your frame of reference, seeing your, suffering your discomfort through your own perspective which will never be exactly as your best friend or your neighbor or your family member or even your partner there is no such thing so being able to regulate that as much as you can 
get outside of your head, make the most out of it. Be like, okay, cool. This is what we're doing today. This, you know what, let's order some nice takeout or something. And then you can make it, you can take a break instead of being like, okay, well now I'm your nurse even more so than I was before. And now I have to do everything on top of everything. It's like, no, no, just try to chill. Just have some nice relaxation, you know, pour yourself a nice cup of tea, do something outside of the norm. Like you said, read some books, watch some cool shows, slow down. You have to slow down and you have to be able to be adapt. You have to be able to adapt to slowing down at any given time. You have to be able to be malleable and move with the flow of the SCI life. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Because you can't change it, right? Exactly. You can't. And the more resistance that you put to, oh my God, I wish this wasn't happening. Why me? Oh, I'm a victim here. Why is this happening? The more you do that, the worse things will, will end up being for you and your partner. So that being said, um, I am very grateful to my mother-in-law. Dan had called Lily. Lily Duffy, shout out to my mother-in-law who came out in the midst of all of this, I came came out here. I got to go to pottery for a few hours. I came home to a clean house, uh, dinner made, laundry being done, organization. And you know what? That is exactly, that's my number one piece of advice is if you have somebody in your life who you can trust, who you know will show up for you, reach out to them if you can. Um, we'll do another episode on this topic at a later date, but offload tasks if you can or just ditch some tasks and be like this is not happening today maybe not even this week the laundry can wait there there will always be laundry there will be laundry there tomorrow even if you do laundry today (laughs) like you know what i mean so it's being able to sort of get outside of that perspective and really work with the the present moment of what is so For anybody listening who is a WEG of SCI, if you are a wife or girlfriend of somebody with a spinal cord injury, please um, join our private Facebook discussion group. It is called WEGs of SCI private discussion group on Facebook. There is a heap of resources. So this particular group um, hosts about... 2000 women from across the globe who come forward with great tips, tricks, advice, maybe just like some inspiration, maybe, maybe just like somebody you can connect with even in your area. It's been tremendously helpful. I would say that this group is extremely special to us. We have moderators, Alice, Heidi, and Ashley, who are on there pretty well, 24 seven moderating the content, keeping it constructive and positive vibe. So please join us. And of course, thank you for listening to another episode of the Wags of SEI podcast. So until next time, take care of yourselves and love one another. Cheers. 